Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of the Bonehead Podcast, where we talk all things Blood Bowl. Before I move on, I just want to announce the winner of our feedback competition. And before I even do that, just want to say thank you so much to everybody that took time and um, and gave a load of feedback about the show. It was fantastic. It's really useful for us to know what you guys like, what you guys don't like, and, and what you want us to do more of. Quite a lot of varied responses, so I don't think I'll be able to cover everything as we move forward, but you've given us a good idea of what it is you want. So thank you very much. So without further ado, the winner of... The Windsor Chog Croxagore model is Dragon Dave. So Dragon Dave, from the looks of it, is a, a guy who follows us on YouTube and quite enjoys the Seven Super Series um, show, which is awesome. And it was great to have some feedback. So thank you all very much. Welcome back. I'm Ben, and today I'm joined once again by my regular co-host, Rich. Huzzah! Hello, everybody. <laughs> How you doing, man? All right? I am okay. Real life has given up, and I can now podcast and Blood Bowl all I want. That is good, because it's about to get very quiet, given that it's Christmas and everything. It is about to get very quiet. <laughs> With you having 17 children and me working at retail. December's, December's <laughs> 17 gonna be children. 17, give or take. Four. Four. It feels like 17 sometimes. It definitely feels like 17 sometimes. It was cool to see Randall at club the other night, though. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. That was good. It's always great to see Killer Randall there. It is. It, it really is. And I I get a certain amount of pride when I hear Randall correct someone on rules. Oh, he handled he himself really, really well. Um, yeah, he did. Our full credit to Ben. Ben 4? Ben 4? Ben 3? Ben 4? Don't know. A new guy came to the club. <laughs> um, and when I paired him against Randall, he was like, oh, it's this... You know, is it a league game? Or is it is it call me to run a friendly game? And I was like, no, no, just play league. Yeah. He kind of looked at me funny, and then Randall gave him a really good run for his money. Yeah, I think he realised about three turns in. Ah, but, it's so good. But yeah, but Randall loved it. Um, he, he had far too many sweets. He was buzzing at one point. I had to look yeah. at him and kind of go, eh, read it in. It's like half nine. And you're still chewing down on e numbers. Yeah, we do overdo it with the sweets of the club. Yeah. Oh, it's right for us, isn't it? But yeah, but Randall absolutely loved it. Um, ben was great with him. Absolutely great with him, and um. I think um, he enjoyed it. Hopefully, he enjoyed it. Honestly, he's a good kid, so everyone responds well to him. Yeah. He's got that enthusiasm, but he's he's polite enough that it's not, you know, unpleasant, which is great. Yeah, it's it's a tempered sort of um, yeah, child response in it, and he's got that eagerness to learn as opposed to eagerness to just run riot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that, and and he will quite happily play different people and work out different ways of not to do things. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and he, he does and, learn. He's, and he plays less greedy plays than most adult players, which is quite entertaining. Yeah, he does actually, doesn't he? Yeah, we saw some of that at the weekend. <laughs> so, Rich, what are we talking about on episode 29? We are talking about World Cup team builds, team events, and the usual games, hobbies, and star players. Okay, so first things first, news. What have we got this week? We have got Chaos Dwarf rumours. Okay, so I think we touched on this last episode. There were pictures of store lists so the stores get advanced oh, right. lists of like what products are coming from games workshop on that they had the ogres listed for december 14th release they did indeed. so we'll be doing our ogre episode for bonehead basics very very soon um and on there was also chaos dwarfs on exactly the same date yeah in december as well mm. but obviously we've not seen any spoilers or anything like that for it no 
We haven't had all four teams this year. We haven't, have we? Wood Elves, Halflings, and Ogres. And Ogres. I don't know if we will, because they had that delay, didn't they? They had the issues with the print and everything yeah, else. Yeah, with all the... Silverneth. Yeah. So I don't know whether that's, that's pushed it all, and they probably don't want to rush it. But... That's what I assumed, with the Ogres being shown off, and then the release date of coming in December. Like, you know, fine, okay, we're sense, getting three yeah. this year, that's absolutely fine. But they're on the list. But they're on the list as a slightly different price. They are actually, aren't they? Yeah, the box is like $5 more or something like that. Mm. Just enough for it to be weird. They've got separate bull centaurs for $20, $25, I think. Yeah, 25 I think it was. Which is probably about the same price as the individual ogre, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, no, that... Mm. Ogre's about £20. I think it's cheaper than that. Then it would be about right for it to be $25 then. Mm. So there is a chance we've got Chaos Dwarfs coming. I don't know whether it's a new sculpt though. You think, well, this is the, the thing, is that if they are coming, is it just the re-release? I reckon so. But then why would the stores have it on their list of things to sell? True. Yeah, because I've had this argument with a guy at the local club called Craig. Hi, Craig. And um, we've put a bet on it. If Chaos Dwarves come out and it's a new team, mm. I have to play three matches of Magic the Gathering modern with them which is a horrible format and I hate it and <laughs> if I win so if the Chaos Dwarves are not a brand new team mm. he has to play Blood Bowl 7s with me sounds like a good deal I think so but um, anyway that should be interesting I'm hoping that it is Chaos Dwarves because I've seen them play a couple of times recently they look really fun Randall does very well with them exactly Randall does very well with them <laughs> and we saw one at the Fobble World Cup this weekend um, and we'll touch on that when we talk about World Cup Ooh. teams so also we have got a couple of bits from Facebook. So the first one is the Goblin's Treasure, which is, there's no news on releases yet or anything like that, but we saw it come up and it is basically 3D printed stadium bits. So there's an that orc stadium. Very cool. So it, they've got uh, ladders and pitch bits and bobs and they've got scoreboards and things there's no real information about it just yet no not a lot at all except for the kickstarter november yeah. 29th november 29th the goblin's treasure so when i go away oh okay cool <laughs> go to bath there really isn't anything on that at all is there no it's like three posts just that little preview sketch of some of the bits um now it depends on the price so we saw another stl only Kickstarter in the last month for dugouts. Yes. Which was quite cool. Uh, but again, it's that availability. It's, you know, £10 to get the STL files. And then how do you get them printed? £300 to get you the 3D printer. And yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, um, I love the idea of it. And provided you've got easy access to a 3D printer, yeah. either the public or private one, or you have one yourself, it's a bit. It's a bit of a niche almost. It's become a niche. You're you're either having to to stump up and and go out your way to find this stuff, or you've you've got to suck it up and accept you're not going to get it. Yeah, which uh, is sad. And we're not seeing resin being used anymore um, no. from a casting point of view. So local uh, local player James got that massive dwarf stadium made that was resin. Yeah, that was hundreds of pounds. Yeah, um, cast up. Now it's beautifully done. But it's, yeah, it's just it's just that price range of you know it's almost as much as the new Games Workshop Necromunda box, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but not quite because nothing is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So that is Goblin's Treasure on Facebook. And as soon as we get information about the Kickstarter, we will share it. And if the Kickstarter is going live on the 28th, we should have an episode out. That um, weekend, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so we should be able to cover it. That would be, cool. be cool. Rightio. So RNE Studio have got Cell Thunders coming up, which is a Norse team. Yeah. Which Ben 2 from our group is very excited about because there's lots of muscles to paint. Oh, but they look rather clo uh, rather clothed. They do. There's a there's a couple of um, throwers um, who, who are a bit more naked than others, um, and the actual yeti itself is is brilliant. I love that yeti. Yeah, it's a very static pose, but it's got that. It, it's it's very unique, isn't it? It really is. It's just stalwart, isn't it? You're looking at it going. You know what? You can't come through me. He looks like an armored beast man from X Men. Like it really the, the, does the cartoony one, where it looks like that classic Yeti sort of Neanderthal kind of thing. And the the models that have been shown so far, so Kickstarter coming soon is information. There is a real mix. There's a there's a there's obviously the Yeti. There's a couple of werewolves. So uh. this is this is yeah, like you said, this is supposed to be a Norse team, um, but it's a weird kind of. It's a mix, isn't it? Because it it's, is. the off werners are, are being portrayed as werewolves, which they kind of are, but they're not. Aren't they? They're sort of in between. Um, what confuses me is the is the positionals that the ladies are that are here. Yeah, um, and that's I suppose it's another one of those teams where you can use them for anything really. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it's obvious you can see the berserkers. The berserkers are down the bottom, covered in spikes. You've got your off werners. The throwers fine. The linemen are there. Are, are your standard sort of uh, humans? But there are six. One, mm. two, three, four. There are five. Five lady players, and I can't work out what they're meant to be. A couple of them look like they're running, so they could be runners. Yeah. So you've got maybe two runners in there, and then that's it, isn't it? Berserkers, runners, off runners, linemen, yeti, throwers. Yeah. Well, this thing goes live in three days' time from time of recording, so when this episode comes out, this will be live, and I'm sure that we can share it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, um, especially if the price point is good. Now, RNE are historically on the higher end of prices yeah. but they do often have sales they so. do and not only that when they do their kickstarter obviously with a kickstarter you get it cheaper anyway but they tend to do previous teams at a cheaper price as well and there are some really great r and mm. models out there so yeah definitely want to keep an eye out for this weekend mm, yes so in two days the squig team is being released by Hungry Charles. So we spoke about this a few episodes ago, um, and not a lot of information has come out about it. They've spoiled some more pictures, so they've got the whole team, and the massive variety of actual mm. squig models is huge now. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? And we're at a loss as to what they're meant to be, whether they're meant to be the, the secret squig team, which would be a very brave and bold move, or what they're hoping to be able to run them as, or what teams they're hoping to run them as. I think this is going to be one of those classic use it for a bunch of different teams yeah um that said you've got one two three four squig hoppers on the team and the actual squigs themselves and some big squigs that look very different so and a goblin dressed as a squig and a pika squig and a pika squig pikachu squig which is cool one with the tail very cool team and obviously the mike wazowski one-eyed squig mm. um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what the price point is and what they recommend using them as yeah and that's it that's what's I mean Hungry Charles are what traditionally around 70-80 quid yeah they're on the medium side of the price <laughs> and the models the models are really good yeah they really are um, I don't think we've ever had sort of a a 
no concern ever. of their sculpts at all, have we? You no. never looked at them and thought, you know, that's a bit tacky. They made the World Cup team as well, didn't they? Did they? Hmm. Pretty sure they did. Well, that's quite cool. Which was quite a cool team. I might have to pick one of them in the future. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. Um, does that do it for miniatures news? It does do it for miniatures news. Just uh, just checking through my memory to see if there's anything else we shared. Oh, yeah. there's something I wanted to say. What have we got? I recently got a new human team. Oh, yeah. Um, from Stefan from um, Franchise Draft. Now, Draft is capital D, full stop, R, full stop, A, full stop, F, full stop, T, full stop. Yeah, I got that right. Um, but they do an alternative um, human team, which is based more around um, NFL look, the actual proper American football look. Um, they do a mixture of sort of, um, of blokes, of girls, and their ogre is just a giant man. <laughs> the ogre is very cool. Which is brilliant. Are you posted a lot of different heads and things? Do they come, or can you pick them up so as there an expansion? Are two different heads that they come with. So one's spiked and chaos-like, and the other one is a traditional football helmet. Um, the other heads that he's doing are his own conversions. So it's um, he's doing them from oh, the current GW. Oh, so that's he, quite a cool like, idea. His idea of, of a team is that you draft different players from different races and you have this mixed bag of players. And so he's got an undead player and he's got a, a, a wolfy player and he's got a, a like a Norse player. I'm sure he did a lizard one as well. He did do a lizard yeah, one, that's which he did think, very well actually. Because yeah. Well, that's what made me think he was making these heads to cast up to do um, to, to give them out. No, no, not at all. He's just some pinching GW bits, but doing a very good job of it. The casts look really lovely. They really look a little nice. bit slighter than the current 32 mil scale. They are, particularly the girls. Yeah. They are. And... They can be very fiddly. But the mod, the numbers are really cool. Oh, the numbers are brilliant. So, so it's like a digital format. Exactly, like a digital clock. Two eights. So you can, can you cut the bits out or do you just paint them? Did you I'm load? assuming, no. I'm not brave enough. I've got yeah. one up there, actually. Um, I'm not brave enough to, to probably cut them off. You, um, can, you can paint over the lines. You can definitely paint it over lines, Which is something that would be incredibly useful for actual Blood Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'm planning on going on a dark scheme and just having some white or yellow numbers coming out of it. What? That sounds like the Pittsburgh Steelers, Rich. That is not, it's going to be white, not yellow. You've just made that decision for me, and it's definitely not going to be black. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it looks like I'm going for a bright pink and yellow. There you go. This is yeah. great, yep. Yeah, Whatever blobby team. <laughs> okay, we've got a couple of shout-outs to cover as well. Um, first of all, Kyle. So, Kyle is um, a, a great listener who's supported the show, gets in contact with us quite a lot. Kyle P. Yeah. Hey, Kyle P. Yeah. He has had a horrible time the last mm. month or so, and we just wanted to say, take care of yourself, all the best, keep rolling those blocks, and you know, keep in contact and keep keep watching our stuff and paying attention, because actually, you're appreciated. Yep. Um, we've got a shout out for Jared as well. So I was doing some ogre research, he got in contact, and this guy, awesome, I like this. In a league, he runs a six ogre, zero reroll team. Oh man, that's brave of Um Yeah, basically, his his theory is that you roll some boneheads, which is fine. Mm -hmm. but you just got to play well and hope the dice carry you. And he says, when you can, you just steamroll people. And actually, I like that. Bobble Wobble Cup at the weekend, or oh, that's 1,100 plus others build, there were six ogres. And six ogres is huge. Now, normally in league, mm. you start with four and four rerolls, I think, so that you can actually do stuff with the team. Yes. But if you've got six ogres, you can protect the snotlings. Mm. And it works really well. And he's just said, you just got to pick what you do. So I wanted to mention that because I think that's very gutsy. I got a quick one here from Alex. Um, 
I'm just going to read it straight out. Hey guys, if you've got a podcast out before the 17th, would you be able to give the Team England voting a shout out, please? We are keen to get as many people's voices heard as possible. So I'll put the link to the Talk Fantasy Football thread in the show notes. Um, this is to do with the Euro goal and things like that. Oh, okay. So this episode will go out on the 16th. I did warn him. Um, and voting closes at the end of the day on the Sunday the 17th. Oh, plenty of time. And the last little one is Stephen. Uh, who got in contact and said, hey, there's more accessories on Hero Forge now for your own fantasy football stuff. There is. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Which is very cool. He showed um, showed me, I think, the one he's got built up or one he's been building, which is really, really cool. And he also helped point it out that our Spotify had stopped auto-updating, which was a oh, bit really? of a pain. Yeah, I don't know. No idea why. Hmm. Uh, dropped a line to the Podbean support and they sorted it out, which is great. Awesome. Yeah, which was cool. Then we've got a few tournaments. So we've spoken about this one regularly. We've got the North Wales Carnage Cup coming up on the 23rd and 24th in Wrexham, North Wales. That's run by a friend of the podcast, Rob. Hello, Rob. Uh, we've got Saturday the 30th of November. There is Birmingham Bowl 4. I'm not going to be able to make it this year, but last year was really good. It was amazing. It yeah. was good fun. The number of teams, the players that were there, and and how well um, Sean did with that is is a credit to him and, and the tournament. It's looking like it's going to be a busy one again, which is really, really cool. And we've got the Elf Olympic Games coming up on the 14th of December in Cardiff. Elf that Olympic. is another one of the, the another one of the tournaments that are in the uh, SWTC, Ooh. the Southwest Tournament Championship. So I will get a video up coming very soon, giving you the lowdown on the format, the rules, and the background behind that. I think cool. it's something like a 1,400 team build. Oh, wow. And they've got some cool goblin special rules, which is really, really cool. And a quick one for Aldershot Muti Bowl, which isn't until March, so we'll mention it closer, but I did say that I'd give a little mention. I think that wraps it up for news. So on to games, hobby, building, gluing, things like that. Rich, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? I, um, as I just mentioned about Franchise Draft, I'm starting to, uh, to paint that, those guys. So they're all built up. It took me a couple of hours to build them all uh, a few weeks back. I'm starting to prime and paint them and, and get on with it, but I'm, I'm sure about that. They're, skin the they're resin, right? They are resin. Did you wash them? I did. Okay. I have historically been quite cowboy with my resin stuff, um, but I picked up the Treeman for Error One, and yeah. when I picked them up, and literally, uh, they felt greasy. Okay. So I did wonder, like... I didn't get any greasiness from them. Yeah, I did. They didn't feel sort of horrible or nasty. I just got into the habit of whenever I get resin no, to clean no, it. It's, it's the right thing to do. I've just been cowboyish about it. I did, just wondered if you were if you'd behaved yourself. I did behave myself. Which is really I gave good. them a bath. I scrubbed them good. They, they came out quite well. Um, other than that, I am starting to work on my scaven team for Beachhead. So this is the um, no fun scaven team. This is the no fun scaven team. <laughs> this is this is the the, the scaven team with no gutter runners at all. Which I think upsets you slightly. Um, no, if I play against them, won't upset me. <laughs> well, that said, you know what? Given tournament rules, you could. So you've got the Rato gear. Yes. You've got the two blitzers. Yep. You've got. You will have some spare skills to upgrade some linemen. I will. And you do have Fez glitch, and possibly um, the Verminator, which you could squeeze Ooh. in. So I, th I think one's one hundred, one's one hundred and thirty, hundred and twenty, hundred and forty, something like that. I want to take the Fen Beast. Oh, Fenbeast is 115, he's a bargain. Yeah. So for Beachhead, which is on the 8th of February, which is our 32-man team at the Bournemouth International Centre, part of the Beachhead 2020 convention, um, it's set in Albion, which is an old-school Warhammer setting, and the best thing about Albion were the Fenbeasts. Basically, swamp trolls, or at least trolls made of swamp. That's quite cool. Yeah. I, I found a, um, a Reaper mini um, on eBay, 
which to my upset was actually metal and I was hoping it was going to be their plastic I don't like metal um, but it has been bought it is here and it does look quite cool so I'll, um, I'll be painting that up to go with it and yeah hopefully have a very very thematic team no thematic and then very strong as well with them and a rat ogre mm, yeah like definitely it. other than that uh, lots of tabletop since I was last on here so I am actually on a 12 game unbeaten streak on tabletop when you say unbeaten do you mean like just draws no there's been some wins in there in fact I won I won five of my eight games in the minor league drawing three on the way to, the, to winning it uh, I drew 2-1-1 at the Tombstone tournament yeah which puts me at 11 and I just beat um been in the Christmas Bowl a couple of weeks back. Oh, congratulations. So I'm about 50-50 on wins and draws. Well, a little bit less, so maybe 60-40 on wins and draws, but unbeaten, which has been great fun. It's about to come to a crashing end with whoever I play on Tuesday because I've announced it. So my hobby has been around, I've posted this up on our various social media things. I built a little tree man team for Secret Sevens. So Seven Super Series is the YouTube show, which is all about Blood Bowl Sevens. Um, just about to go into the playoffs now, which is quite cool. So coming out this weekend will be the first playoff game. Um, and the next season is going to be about secret and stunty teams. Ooh. So I was having a look through the list and the Tree Man team took my, took my fancy. So it's basically just Tree Man and then very fast Snotlings. Oh, the sprites. Yeah, which is cool. So I got some of the... Um, Got some of the little fire dudes from Age of Sigmar, mm -hmm. part of the Demons of Zinch. Painted them up all ghostly, glued a couple onto some of those Erewhon Treemen, and painted them up in like no time. I hardly used any Agrax just on the base, which well, is a yeah, I know it's a massive, massive change for me. Um, I love them. I think the models are brilliant, and the good thing is, if I pick up another three Treemen, I can run them in regular Blood Bowl as ogres, which will be quite. Oh, cool. that's quite cool. That said, I will have to be picking up two two boxes of the Ogre team coming out soon. Uh, yeah. I, I want one and a half. Oh, there we go. For obvious reasons. Yeah. I'm sure the club between us, we can find some half boxes. Oh, definitely. With the secret sevens. Yeah. I reckon Chaos Halflings could do quite well in that. Well, I've got mine all painted up, so. Hmm. I think they'll be quite good. The um the spawn underachieved in Did sevens. Really? Yeah. I thought they'd be like. Well, I kind of was thinking they're just two minotaurs. Hmm. Um, they're apparently they just weren't as effective. They got easily led off. Two frenzy on the line. Yeah, I know. I was, I was mm. gutted. I didn't get a chance to use my team. I was going to run them with both with claw. Yeah. Because I thought actually chuck them on the line, and then you know you're going to get a couple of pushovers. Mm. You're going to get a couple of knocks, and then you should be able to mighty blow claw your way to success. But how they performed um, by Nick, who ran them at Tombstone, was less good. Oh, that's and unfortunate. You, and you can't throw halflings. No. But um, they will definitely be appearing in Secret Sevens because they're a cool team. And that's it for my hobby recently. That said, I'm very much looking forward to to a thing that Ben, who was a co-host on the last episode and he's been on a couple of times and on the YouTube show as well, who is running a secret Grombrindle for our <laughs> local league. So basically, everyone's putting in the value of a, uh, a Blood Bowl team, so everyone wants to be involved. And what we're doing is we're ordering a bunch of teams, splitting them up, into so that they come in two sprues so one sprue goes in one box another sprue goes in another box ben is going to wrap them and then everyone draws a sprue from each box mm -hmm. and builds a seventh team ready for january cool which is very cool um 
and we've got 11 players basically so we can order one of every team except halflings and goblins because they're just because you need the big guys okay it's yeah, a shame the sense. ogres aren't going to be out because actually that would be a really mm. valuable pick yeah really good but six goblins and six halflings just <laughs> yeah oh, be brutal. I was up for it but um, I think the power level is, it's just not as fun because goblins are fun because of the secret weapons yeah Halflings are fun because of the treatment. Mm. So actually, yeah, not so great, but really looking forward to that. If anyone out there wants to get involved with that, drop me a message because we may be able to order a couple of extra teams and um, I'm more than happy to send out a random selection to people. That would be quite cool. Right then, let's move on to our first topic. Okay, so the first topic we're gonna to talk about today is the World Cup team building rules. So we weren't lucky enough to attend the World Cup, which despite a lot of complaints, seems to have been a really successful event. 1,400 plus Blood Bowl coaches playing nine games over three days, even if it was lopsided, <laughs> would would undoubtedly have been full on and hopefully mm. a lot of fun. Yeah, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? So it was a, a lot of effort for some people to, to get there and, and sort things out. But yeah, fingers crossed, it would have, people came away with, with happy thoughts at the end of it. Um, lots of people have mentioned at one time or another, however, having a standardised set of team building rules for NAF tournaments. And I did wonder if this could be it. We're going to have a look at the build rules and some of our favourite rosters from the event. So the team build rules themselves are probably some of the more complex ones I've seen. Have you had a mm. have you had a look through this? I did. We um what got me with it is when you're when you're at a team, obviously it's standard teams thankfully, it's not like what we do when you're trying to mix yeah. and match. Yeah. So you got generally if you're going to someone like the World Cup you'll have a good idea, a grasp of, of all the teams and, and how they play. But there's a lot to remember. It was a larger team build than normal 1200 no it was for some teams and not for others right sorry there it is so yeah yeah so you got the you got the different varying the different varying that was great england you have the varying um amounts for for each team dependent on tier yeah on top of that when you get into to day two and the next games there's additional skills to to remember for yourself and for others to try and pick up on when you go through and for me it just looks like a disaster waiting to happen and all it can do is slow down games so having played with the world cup rules at the weekend at fobble wobble it was it's very it's peculiar so the build list is quite complex but when you've built the team playing them is an absolute doddle yeah yeah i was surprised now building the teams was tricky and the other team that we played against got all theirs wrong, oh, well. basically because because it is so so weird. So first of all, there's four tiers instead of three, mm -hmm. with tier four being the bottom, so the stunty ones, goblin, halflings, and ogres. Tier three: corn, Nurgle, um, chaos, slan, underworld, and vampires. Mm -hmm. And you've got tier two, which are chaos, renegades, elf union, high elves, humans, chemia, necromantic, and tier one being everybody else. Really, all you've got there is tier two and tier three being separated. Mm. from what we would normally see yeah okay which is you know absolutely fine um, and there are some other formats for example the Denmark ATV format the all teams viable which has six tiers including tier zero so it's more straightforward than that as far as team creation went yeah you're exactly right varying starting cash 
so tier one was 1160, tier two was 1200, tier three was 1250, tier four was 1250 as well. A minimum of 1100 had to be spent on team and re-rolls and stuff like that. The additional starting cash could be spent either on your team or on skills. Mm -hmm. So if you had a tier one team that started at 1160, you could you could spend 1120 on your team and then he would have 40k left for skills. All right, got you. There are some other restrictions around normals and doubles. Uh, so tiers one to three could only have one double skill. Mm -hmm. um, tier four could have as many as you like. And one player on the list could have two skills, but both had to be normal, and that cost 50k instead of 20 plus 20. Right, okay. And it was staged, it was snaggered. So day two, like you said, tier one got 40, uh, tier two and three got 50, and tier four got 70. And on day three, everyone got another 40k. So if you rephrase this ever so slightly to say that on day two you got plus two skills and tiers two and three can have one of them be a double and tier four could have a mixture of you know two regulars and a double it becomes a lot it becomes a lot simpler mm. but the the tricky thing that we found was understanding that starting cash barrier so i've talked about it a couple of times now we went to fobble wobble at the weekend which was um uh, ben W put out a shout out for local clubs to see if he wanted to do some kind of Champions League where the best of the best went and played against each other. Um, because of scheduling and everything, it was really just Wobble, myself, um, who got in contact with him, and we ended up playing a 4v4 tournament for cool. the day, which was cool. He said, let's play with the World Cup because actually that's the up-and-coming format. That brings around this entire topic. So what I did was I typed up the team build rules, put it into the Fubble Wobble rule pack, and shared it. That confused people, even though I used, I literally copied and pasted it from the rules website. The whole starting cash confused things. So we mm. had people buying 11, 12 skills, and everyone buying loads of doubles. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But the outcome was a pretty reasonably balanced set of teams. And I was planning on running Wood Elves, but I ended up being the odd man out, so I TO'd for the day, and that gave me six skills? No, it didn't give me six skills. It gave me five skills, mm -hmm. or three and a double. Which, you know what? Would be on par with what we would say, what we would say for our yeah. tournaments, wouldn't we? Yeah. And that would be for day two. So day one was basically your team plus three, day two was your team, and then another two, so up to five, and then day three was up to another one, so up to seven. Mm -hmm and incremental skills works really really well and if you've got three sets of three games then actually you do need variation because i mean when we had Super Bowl, we had one skill set over five games mm. it got a bit wearing not quite samey but it did and i think for next year what we should probably do is have two phases of skills okay so games one two three with one set and then games four and five have extra skills or something yeah do a split build so yeah the world cup build tier four could get um stat increases as well that were slightly different to the normal stat increases mm -hmm. so yeah just an interesting build so having looked through the pack and everything what do you what do you reckon to them being a standardized would you want to use these for one of our tournaments no yeah i, wouldn't I really either. wouldn't i think i think all it does is is create confusion and particularly when you haven't changed any of the word and you just put it across yeah and there was confusion across the board is an indication that one, it's either not written very well, or two, it's just too complicated for a one day tournament. 
Yeah, I think I'd. Are we try. Would you be trying to force too much in for for one day? I don't think so. I mean, it's the World Cup was just three one-day tournaments. That's true. Yeah. Um, the outcome was fine. Once you've got those skill packages, it was fine. But I do massively think that a if you want to vary, if you want to have a variable team value, mm. I think go for it. Keep the skill packages as skills, not as money. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And it, 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 I suppose it allows that extra level of, of of tactics, doesn't it? You can get that edge four lineman if you really wanted, and things like that with it. And on the tier fours, sorry, I'm yeah, on the tier fours. That's so the thing. It's only yeah. tier four. I think you either got it. You've got to make it as open as possible and just make it as simple as possible. Mm. And I think that's why when you look across most of the tournaments, they have. Fairly standard rule set anyway. Yeah. With the tiers, it's X amount for tier one, it's X amount for tier two, it's X amount for tier three. Yeah. Go have fun, guys. And everybody understands it. Everybody can deal with it. And if it's your first tournament or your tenth, you understand what it is. I know that my opponent has a tier two team. Therefore, he is going to have at least one normal skill and maybe a double skill. Yeah. And that's it. And there's only one extra thing to remember. And it's it's so much simpler. I like the fact that it very did you do get the different builds that you can go with, but I just don't think it adds enough. So for looking at Beachhead in February, mm. the current rules pack is along the lines of you have got X amount of thousands to spend on upgrades. Mm-hmm. It's just on upgrades. So skills and stats. But you do that in the league and they are at a very set price and each tier gets a different amount. Mm-hmm. But you spend 1100 on your team and then you get X amount to spend on upgrades. Yep. You can say, I'm going to go for the strength upgrade, but that's basically all my money. Yep. But it's two separate pots. Mm-hmm. And I think having those two separate pots makes it massively easier for people to pass. Mm. And when you do have that middle ground, it makes it awkward. Now, I believe the World Cup guys did have a good spreadsheet to help out when inputting all the teams. But if you're not using the spreadsheet, it was a bit complex. Yep. So, thoughts after running the teams at Fobble Wobble was that you end up with a very reasonable amount of skills and it really didn't feel any different than a normal than a normal build. If, if we'd said it was 1100 plus these skills for this, this tier, it was fine. And looking at the results, the tier four, which would normally be tier three team, did the same as you would expect them to do. So Ogres, I think came away with a win, a loss and a tie, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, tier 1s did pretty well apart from Ian's Amazons who got unlucky with the matchups and unlucky with the performance um, but yeah I, I think I don't think it balances the tiers any more than a normal list would that's good so yeah um, we wanted to use some of the lists and some of the examples from the World Cup however the website's down <laughs> yeah <laughs> the coach ranking um, and the NAF World Cup dot whatever site it was um it is just unavailable at the moment but I'll, I'll run you through a couple of the team lists that we had at the weekend one team was orcs that went two and one i believe Ooh, cool yeah they lost to lewis who went three and oh at the Yay. tournament and won a day for the for, for wobble that was quite impressive well done gyms um so orcs are tier one yeah four black orcs four blitzers one goblin one troll two linemen and thrower that okay. left him with enough for two fan factor, two re-rolls, and then five normal skills. Okay. Blitzers, two guard, one mighty blow, one tackle, and guard on the troll. I like that. Okay, so this is for a day two build at the mm. World Cup. 
Yep. Day one would have had two less skills. Yep. Which I think is a bit light for a tournament. I like day two with about five skills. And you have that variability of it's four, five, or six skills, which I think is enough for crunch and enough enough for detail without being skills everywhere. Yeah. Because you know what, if you're you've run orcs before, haven't you? I have. Okay. Do you feel like there's some skills missing? No. I feel like there's some skills missing for your team to be great, but you've got enough to start. Yeah, I mean, the way I built my blitzers, ignoring the the lucky doubles, is I've got two regard, two in mighty blow. Yeah, because you want two to support, two to two yeah. punch face. I don't run a troll, but the only thing that you would be missing is probably block on the black orcs. Yeah, so the orcs feel like they're missing skills because the black orcs didn't have block, mm. but actually that kept them kind of balanced and gave the tier one player the choice of, right, do I make my other guys more efficient or my better players better? Yeah. And I think that is quite a good middle ground for a build. This one was fun. This was John, Smack My Beach Up, which was huh. his ogre team with ogre, 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 seven snotlings, three rerolls, and two guard ogres, two break tackle ogres, a grab ogre, and his one block was spent, uh, his one double was spent on block. Okay. So he went deep on Ogres yeah. and came away with at least one win. It's not bad though, is it? It was cool. It was a great one. First of all, the team was fantastic. Um, but as a list of skills, that was that was good. Mm. That was a good amount of power. So that's basically, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, one more skill. That's basically the tier one list plus a double. Yeah. And it kept it pretty balanced. And like we'll have a quick look at Lewis's list as well. So Lewis ran the gyms, his undead team. So for all you people out there listening, this is the undead team that Lewis had never won a game with. When we brought him on the show as an expert, we were asked, why do we bring him on the show as an expert? Because he couldn't win a game with them. We, well, we did say he was the most experienced undead <laughs> team, not the most winningest. Um, yeah, two mummies, two whites, two ghouls, one, two, three, four, five zombies, a skeleton, four re-rolls, two fan factor, and he just had guard everywhere. Two guard mummies, two guard whites, and sure hands on the ghoul. Why the skeleton? Because uh, slightly faster. Okay. Um, you normally take a skeleton to run around and be a fowler. Oh, okay. Because they've got one extra movement. Um, 12 players, total 1,200, tier one list, tough skill choices. He came over with 3 and 0. That was definitely not the top list that was on the. Uh, that was definitely not one of the top lists that was on the, <laughs> the World Cup list. <laughs> And the last one I'll touch on is Corn. So Sam went two and one, narrowly losing out in the third round against Orcs. And he went with a Bloodthirster, two Heralds, four Bloodletters, and five Pit Fighters okay. with two rerolls. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mighty blow upgrades. <laughs> on, on the Thurster, both Heralds, and all the Bloodletters, he just spammed mighty blow. Um, and had enough left over to take leader and sure hands on two of his normal guys. So he ended up with three re-rolls, a sure hands piece, and seven mighty blow. Wow. Um, interestingly, he didn't win the casualties. Did he not? He only got about three across the day. But still, it's enough to build a scary list. But he was he had to make that sacrifice on I was on on block. Mm. And that was a tier three team. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine skills for tier three on day two. So you'd be looking for another two skills for day three. That's when it gets pretty gnarly. That's when you get claw, baby. <laughs> uh, that, with the double rules, um, he wouldn't be able to. 
Oh no. Uh, first of all, because they, they don't get claw on friend, on uh, the corn team. But what? yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That's I mean, insane. The, the, the bloodthirster starts with claw. So we already yeah, had. You think at least the bloodletters would be able to get it, wouldn't you? Yeah. And the heralds. Yeah. Well, we've been playing with the stunty with the stunt with the secret teams too much. I think we have, haven't we? Yeah. Where you can just do very very crazy Maybe things. Like. <laughs> so yeah, that was an example of the different tiers and the different skills that they could take. And the best list from the World Cup was a wood elf team, two war dancers, thrower, three catchers, and tree man and five linemen. I think to pad out the numbers. Tree man. Tree men were everywhere at the World Cup. That's surprising. Yeah, I know. Um, no skills the idea is he goes on the line and that's one player you can always put on the line he's not going to die elf okay when you reset offer a touchdown with an elf team you put three guys on the line up to three guys can die you keep getting to put that tree man back so same with Skaven mm. soon enough you lose your numbers and you have to put your valuable pieces on the line actually yeah. the tree man does save against that yeah that's true um, and it worked out pretty well for I mean all the top wood elf teams are running which I never would have mm. thought of no. And if I'd played in the tournament of the weekend, I would have taken the tree man. But I was going to put guard on him. Oh, I like that. The guard's oh. great. I was going to put guard on him next to the two linemen on the line. You know what? They're going to die, but this at least gives them makes it one more player difficult to get that two die block. Mm. Uh, hopefully to protect those elves. And then you take strip ball, frenzy or tackle on the war dancer, leader on the thrower for that reroll, and then probably block on a catcher mm. or spare catchers or kick. Um, yeah, so that is the breakdown of the World Cup team builds, and I think I think I can speak for both of us when I say that it is probably not the standardised set of rules that we're looking for from the NAF. No, definitely not. Um, and uh, although I do quite enjoy each each uh, tournament being different with its rules and everything like that, it would be nice to have a main one to, to build on and to copy and to just tweak, as yeah. opposed to homegrown every rules. And I've been involved with the SWTC now, and I'm looking at all the different rules packs, and every tournament is wildly different. Hmm. Um, and I think it would be beneficial to have a single core that you could then tweak. It would save time for the TO, it would make it easier for the players, and then you've got more of a benchmark. Yeah, you know where you're at, don't you? Yeah, those are just my thoughts on that. Lovely. Let's move on to the next topic. So topic two is team events, which should be a fun topic. So the World Cup was a team, in quotation marks, squad event, because huh. obviously you've got Blood Bowl teams and then you've got teams of Blood Bowl teams. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would rather call them a coach team than a squad, because if you say, my, my, my Blood Bowl team or my coach team, you kind of get it. Yeah. But anyway. This is my squad. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to... Yeah. We're going into... Um, it's peculiar. Yeah. The World Cup, anyway, it was a team event, and we have just taken part in our first team-orientated event. So we, I mean, wobble and we thought we'd have a look at what they can be like. So, the different types of team format. Mm -hmm. So there's the classic, and the classic is the squad format via the, like the like the World Cup. Yep. The main way that's run is you get a team of coaches, mm -hmm. and they play another team of coaches. Yep. The matches are either randomized or they're set by seeding, you know, um, Swiss star. Yep, okay. But there's often two different scoring methods. There's individual coach scoring, which happens like most leagues. So, you know, like whatever for a win, whatever for a draw. And that that affects the individual coach score. Yep. Does not affect the team score. The team score is solely dependent on whether more of their coaches win games than the other team. Okay. So, say it's a three-man event. 
you know, two of your players win, you've won that round, regardless of the outcome of that third game. Right, okay, I've got you. Okay, there's that format. Then there's a different format, which is the team cumulative format, which we ran at Fobble Wobble Cup, which was each of your coaches gets individual team points, gets yep. individual, individual points, right? Mm-hmm. Your team has the total of all the points yep. of your players. Yep. So that's the other way I've seen it done. Yeah. I have not had an opportunity to play in the squad format, but at Fobble Wobble, if we'd used the squad format, there would have been absolutely no point running that third round. Really? Yeah. It was a four-on-four tournament, Mm. and Wobble won, I think, three of the first round games, so they won the first round according to the squad rules yeah. and won two or three of the second round right. so actually that would have been it yeah. regardless of the outcome of the third round that tournament would have been over but because we used the team cumulative format we were 86 match points ahead yep. and it's 30 plus bonuses for each game and there was four games going on so there was still 120 points to go mm. Fobble went into that third round and I remember doing the looking at the numbers and I even text Tiff saying, yeah, these guys have got to win out now. They've got to win all four rounds. We just have to win one round. We just have to win one match to win this and they can't score. They can't mm. score enough points to top it. Then Ian lost to Ogres with his Amazons. And then Sam lost a really close game to Orcs. And then Ben lost to Chaos Dwarfs. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, they are close. And Lewis was drawing with the Lizardman team he was playing. And yep. because of the way the points were going, Fobble were half a win ahead. Right, okay. Um, because of bonus points from casualties, it was five, two, and two for each team. So because we used the cumulative format, that last round could could have swung it. If they'd won out all four games, even though Wobble took the first two rounds, they would have had enough points to win it. See, that's good. I think that made it so exciting and everyone was crowded around that last game. So PJ was, uh, I think he's 14, mm. and he ran those lizards brilliantly. Like So Fobble Wobble Cup was Wobble versus Fobble and there's four on each team. So we have Ben, who's been on the show, Sam, who won Tombstone, mm-hmm. Ian, who's been on the show, and Lewis, who's been on the show, who won uh, the Wobble League last time. Yep. The Major League with his lizards. So we're going... First of all, it was terrifying because we were talking to Lewis and we were like, hey, you lizards, you know, you're going to run the lizards, you're going to run the chaos. You did nearly as well with the chaos as you did with the lizards. And he was like, no, you know what? I'll take the undead. <laughs> the undead team, who the only game we'd won was against chaos halflings, which are a, <laughs> a, a, a tier, a billion, stunty league team. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, that's fine. Ian's running Amazons. Ben's running elves, although it was high elves. You know, Sam clearly knows what he's doing with corn. Oh, no, he just... Well, you know, it'll be fine. Um, and I got in the car, picked Ian up. We went to pick up Lewis and we actually joked. We were like, wouldn't it be amazing if Lewis goes to 3-0 and wins us the tournament with Undead and he's never won a game with them before. And he was 2-0 and going into the third round. And if he'd lost or drawn that last game, Fobber would have brought it back, which was awesome. Mm. So Ben ran High Elves, Ian ran Amazons, um, Sam ran Mighty Blow Everywhere Corn we just touched on and um, Lewis ran undead with loads of guard and against them were four of their players so Ben took orcs Jonathan took ogres uh, Dan took chaos dwarves mm-hmm. they were cool they were the old school chaos dwarf models as well which looked really tiny which was quite cool <laughs> um, and PJ his his boy ran lizards mm-hmm. 
First round, BJ gets uh, lined up against Ben. Yep. Okay. Ben is a really lovely coach. So he was like, yeah, that's fine. We'll have a great game. We'll have a great game. And he got destroyed by lizards. And yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really fun. Oh, I'm right. Yeah, he got absolutely destroyed by lizards. Oh. It was a really good day. But I kept a track of the points and the way we were doing it, which was cumulative, and the way of squads. And if we'd done it in squads, there would have been no point playing that third round. And I think that would have absolutely deflated everybody. It would have been pointless, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, no one would have wanted to be there. But at that point, it was that, right, you need to win all four games, or three and a draw, and you'll win this. And it gave them all to play for. And it was really exciting. What are your thoughts on team events? When we touched on something like this a couple of months back, my idea was along the lines of Formula One, if you remember rightly. Yeah. A Constructors' Championship and a Drivers' Championship. So you're looking at... You've got... I, th- I, th- I feel that you've got to have your own things to be able to work towards as part of a team as opposed to just a win. I think that to be able to, to play anything as a team, you, you've all got to work together. So it's not just about winning or losing. It's about what you actually contribute during that loss, during that win. Yep. And so the whole squad, yeah, you won, thanks. It's great and all, but if you're the only guy to have lost that round, you're going to be like, yeah, we won, but what did I actually do? I, I, I didn't do anything for this. Whereas if you do five casualties and you get a touchdown out of it, you're like, you know what? That, if I didn't get those five casualties and that touchdown, what is that? what impact could that have had at the end of the day? And that is exactly what happened. So Ian came away with two losses and a draw or mm. something like that but if he hadn't got that draw and he hadn't got those extra touchdowns Wobble wouldn't have had quite enough points and they lost by 14 and our oh. tournament format was 30 for a win 10 for a draw plus one for up to three touchdowns up to three casualties each game and a bonus one point if you don't let any touchdowns in so there's a max of 37 points per player each yep. round and the it was it was literally those guys like you said who lost but they lost as a 2-1 yeah they got the extra points or they pulled that draw off but they absolutely murdered they were still contributing to the outcome of that event and you yeah. come away at the end you're like right how do we do i lost but i still managed to swing a few points so actually mm. we're at 100 now where we would have been at 95 mm. and it can make or break it and i think it kept it really really tight the reason we ran the cumulative format is because we weren't sure how many teams we could get to the event right so the idea was that if three teams turned up, how the heck do you run a tournament? Yeah. So my plan was if three teams of three turn up, you've got nine players. Right. I drop out. So then there's eight players and we run a Swiss single, but not playing against anyone on your, on your own team. Yeah. But the top two coaches of each team, their scores go for each round. Okay as it was there was a four on four which was super and we still managed you know we still use that scoring system because i built the spreadsheet um, <laughs> and um and it meant that you, you you know even every touchdown every casualty going for that hold out for defense actually did aid the the outcome of it mm. i think i prefer it as a format for single days i, I like the idea of so this is why people like the team build thing the, the team tournament event is you can play for the draw so say you're in a team of three so and so has already won their game yep all you have to do now is draw so say it's a team of you me and ian ian wins his game all you and i have to do now is play for the draw and we win that round yeah 
I do like the idea of that. And it was interesting talking to Ben, the captain of the football team. I was like, you know, have you had any team tactics with you guys? And he was like, yeah, keep pay attention to what everyone else is doing and play, don't, don't risk the draw for a win because you'll win on aggregate. Yeah. Which was really cool. And while that very simple outcome wasn't available, from a points point of view, it still was. Mm. Don't risk the zero, go for the 10. Yeah. If you can't get the 30, just stick with the 10 because yeah. if you're already ahead on points, you're still grinding those points and, up. And 10's better than nothing. And it made a massive difference. I like it. I, I like it. I think it, it's an excellent way of being able to to build as a team as well. If you went into several tournaments with that same team, you'll get the tactics will work better. You'll understand what impact you're having, even if you are losing a game, or if you're unlikely to win it. And you're looking at it, going, "Oh, you know what? This game's done." You're not playing for you. You're playing for your team. You, you still, know what? Fine. Yeah. I'm going to lose. He's stalling. All right. Let's just go for the kill. Yeah. Let's get them out. Get them gone. And let's reduce their points. Yeah. So actually, if if you're one 0 and you can't bring it back, try like heck to stop that second touchdown. Yeah. Because those points do work. So, have you got any ideas of other ways to give events a team feel? So not so one day events, maybe two day events if you fancy. <laughs> I really enjoyed the idea of playing for a reason like yeah. that. It linked all the teams together. It was cool. I thought having factions at a tournament might be quite interesting and we spoke about this a couple of times before we have like going to a tournament and choosing uh, a house yeah. to, to represent or yeah. something and aligning it and having the, your match points go towards that faction like and a, then a greater league table and things like that yeah. I'm, I'm still big for something like that if you've got it there I think you get you can get that friendly rivalry between others you can get that respect and I think one of the, the issues I had with the World Cup was they, they did this little press conference and they're trying to make it a, a bigger thing than it has been before, which is which is a nice thing for them to want to do. And I think it's it shows where they want to be with regards to, to Blood Bowl with the tournament stages and the competitiveness. However, as a outsider and a potential um, spectator, I didn't have anybody to root for at all. Well, that's, I think an issue with the branding rather than what it was it, yeah, was, it, it was a team tournament yeah World Cup in football is a showcase it is but they've also got to earn their place there and that's that's what I was coming to with this is at the World Cup you know what there's my money I'm going to come and do this we've got a team we'll see you there in six months but there's nothing to say that you know what you're the best of the best let's go out there and and and, and and compete against those out there but you could have had six team Englands but which team England actually gets through so that you're talking about is the Euro Bowl that's exactly what the Euro Bowl is is it? yes that that in the news bit we're yeah. voting for team England that is you selecting the, there's, there's restrictions right. on NAF coaches they've got to have played 24 NAF ranked games within the last year They've got to have a standing of something and basically as you're voting or they're voting to, to choose the best English players yeah. to go and represent Team England. Right. But it's a branding thing because spectatoring, spectating of Blood Bowl isn't there yet. No, it's not. There's a lot of people that are working on it. Twitch streaming and, and YouTube, I know, is something that I'm very excited for because I've seen great work with Magic the Gathering and I would love to do 
I'd love to have that for Blood Bowl. I'd love to be invested. I'd love to see a team progress, mm. a league progress, and like you said, have something to root for. That's it, and I, I think that you, if you have that sort of, like the factions, like the houses, or what you want to call it, like your teams, if you're not a part of it and you're just happy being a casual player and seeing how it goes, if you all of a sudden have, oh, you know what? I quite like this player. I played against him at a tournament. Yeah. However, he's on this what team? And all of a sudden, you're you're rooting for the Black Roses from Birmingham or something. Like, but you've got that sort of, you know what? Yeah. They're my team. And I think you get a better investment from you start, from spectators. You start building brand. You, you start building do. identity, and you start building building allegiance. So, complete aside to what we're talking about. SWTC, mm -hmm. that is exactly what I'm doing with the SWTC as well. Excellent. So doing a preview for each of the tournaments, talking about the rules pack and talking about the kind of teams you can see and the special rules that are taking place. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, doing the standings for the players Excellent. that went in. So you will see players, you may even be those players, you'll see your, your scores go up, you'll see where you are in those points. And like you said, if you've played against one, so I'm pretty sure Hawker, who was the guy who used to run the SWTC, I think he won the last one or the one before that. You know, oh, I played against Hawker. He's up there. He's third place. He's really good. I reckon he can take it. You know, if he goes and he plays in the Elf Olympics, he can score himself another 30 points and actually that will make him clear. And then we are one step further towards having just something special, something yeah. else, which I think is really cool. However, for actual yeah. tournaments... I think if you're not going to have teams, yeah, because I don't think rocking up to a tournament and then being assigned a random team is a great thing. No, you you need to have that team beforehand. I know we, when we spoke about it before, it, I, I think you can have a maximum number of players on that team. It depends on the format of the tournament, and that was yeah. And but you can only have so many per tournament. Yeah. So say for example, you had six players in your team, you could have no more than or no more then three have results registered per tournament. So I don't think that rocking up and being like, right, we're going to pair you up into groups of three yeah. means absolutely anything. No, it doesn't. Going to a tournament as a team, whether you're getting points just to win that one day or points to win something longer, mm. is a completely different feel. So we had shirts made up for Wobble yeah. uh, with numbers, and it was, just, it was just a tiny thing, but it was cool. We went there as a, as a unit. If, for example you get to pick an allegiance before an event having the points for that allegiance add up and then having everybody on that allegiance win a little spot prize or something at the end yeah could be another way of being kind of invested to that i like that now there's a bb2 game probably on xbox as well not bb2 game a ps4 game called for honor and you've got on it you are a viking a samurai or a knight but Every game that you play um, goes towards what you're doing as a as a faction. That's cool. So your game might be you, you might come third and earn you X amount of points, but then you that whole system is the fact that that might help you take over that area there and take out the ninjas. But you don't know how that's actually going to play out until the end of that sort of series anyway. So you're playing for here and now, you're working together because one, you obviously want to boost who, what you're doing, but two, you're actually playing for, for something else going forward. And I think if you've got sort of the, the mindset where you can all work together and you've got something you can push together, you're only going to be able to enjoy the game a bit more. That is so cool. And that links into 
so I'm an old school Warhammer player, or I was, and there was this Shadows Over Albion campaign, which is the setting that Beachhead Bowl is basically in. Mm -hmm. And they had two sides. It was an online campaign, so you played your games, you registered your results, and you either sided with the Dark Emissaries or sided with the Truthsayers for control of Albion, this island. And you registered your results. And at the end of it, like different factions got a couple of magic items that were rubbish that they could use in the game. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of narrative. And I think that just adds something... It creates extra value to what you're doing. Mm. So where we have Beachhead coming up, and in that you do choose an allegiance. You do. Because you either get to kill a re-roll or gain a re-roll on the chance if you're a truthsayer or a dark emissary I would love to keep a running tally of the scores for one or the other that'd be cool it might be completely uneven and I think that's fine so actually because you get to choose either each half you roll a dice and on a 4 yeah. plus you kill one of their re-rolls or on a 4 plus you gain one of your re-rolls you make that choice for the entire tournament it's a freebie okay. mm -hmm. it, it's got a slight effect so maybe everyone will go, I think, what would you go with? Kill it. Cool. I would actually go with, go with, oh, with yeah. gain one. Yeah. Because I would kind of lean my list towards that. Yeah. I maybe drop a reroll because actually for one half, I'm statistically likely to gain a reroll. It, it adds a little bit of fun to the factor, but we could keep a tally of that and then we could give the winning faction, like, I don't know, a pin badge. Just something, just something to say, my faction won yeah. Beachhead 2020. So that'd be cool. Yeah, and you can do that for other tournaments, and you can have multiple houses or multiple factions, mm -hmm. and there's, you know, there's there's more you can do that can help unify the scores from a single event to matter for that single event. So, in that regard, instead of having people create their own teams, you'd have to create your own factions. Yeah. Or we would have to create the factions relevant to, to the tournaments or whatever it is. So, because um, we spoke about this a little bit before Tombstone. Mm. And we said, you know what, we could have something like uh, the Necromancers, the Vampires, and this. And you, you ally yourself with one of those factions, and either you get a special bonus or something to your team, and at the end of it, you know, you're know, you vying for that house. Yeah. But it didn't gel quite right with what we wanted. No. It might be something we're looking to next year, or it might be look, something we're looking to one of our other tournaments, but I like the extra narrative of that. Yeah, you, yeah, because all of a sudden, when you finish your game, hmm. you could be looking around going, on a second, what's he up to? I know he's on my team, I know he's part of what yeah. we're looking to do at the end of it. Yeah. And it is just a little bit of something yeah, to but, bond. But if you're going to have an open tournament, you are going to end up facing against your own faction. And yeah. that's just something that happens. But we'll talk about the big thing now, which is a linked scoring system so we're just going to touch on this lightly this episode but you know you mentioned it formula one mm. but also sending a team to different events and i think there's 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 it all culm all, uh, it all ends up in one of two camps mm -hmm. which is narrative teamwork and competitive teamwork okay yeah. i think I think we spoke about them just there. Competitive teamwork mm. is right. Us three, we're going to have this team. We're going to score some points. We're going to win the event. Narrative teamwork is what we just spoke about. Mm. Like actually, our team's going to win the greater thing. Like you said in that knights game. Mm. Like competitively, I don't know if you actually get anything out of having the knights faction beat the samurais. No, no, but nothing it, at It's all. just that extra bit of purpose. Yeah. And I think those two things. Are really powerful for blubble players because it, it is two of the biggest elements which is your story 
and your yeah. gameplay. So a tournament series where your points add up gives meaning to that. So on a single and individual level, the SWTC is exactly that, which is you go and based on your ranking, not your team, not your outcome of the, of the tournament, just your, your ranking, you gain points. And the more points you win, the higher up you go. And then yep. if you win the, SWT, you win the most points during that year, you win the SWTC, the SWTC trophy. For a team, a team tournament points, like team tournament series, would be awesome. Yeah, it really would. But like you said, like you suggested just there, you can have five, six people on your team. You only get to have three go to an event, or you only get to choose those three to score. Yeah. So it balances out having, you know, I'm a group of three guys, we go to all these events, or I'm a, you know, we're Wobble. Yeah, you're like not just 15 of us. Yeah. yeah. That said, I don't think it would be a problem to have Wobble A and Wobble B. I think that'd be quite cool. No, I like that as well. But then those guys are locked in, yeah. and, you know, you, you gain the points for it. Mm. So, really, this is a shout out to everyone out there who's listening. Team events, adding that extra bit of meaning, and also, in some regards, tactics and rules to to whatever's going on can be quite interesting. So, if anyone out there's got good examples or good ideas, or you know what, I've played in this team event and they did it this way and it was fantastic, then get in touch and let us know because this is definitely something we're going to be talking about again in the next couple of episodes. Yeah, it's I I think for a, a game where you're concentrating almost solely on yourself it misses that that team aspect i really do and i think that something like this where you can be a part of something greater on a more regular basis not just a euro bowl not just a world cup yeah it, it, it could be a brilliant thing so you just reminded me of one other thing i wanted to talk about with regards to team the team feel mm. there is no team tactics are there no. You, you are in control of your own team and your own team's performance and that yeah. is it yeah. you don't get to choose who you play against you don't get to choose anything else there mm. is no interplay between a team yeah. but uh, I, I did have this idea you go to a team event and every team gets a pack of special play cards okay. the same pack yeah. for all teams your team gets matched up against their team you already know the matches yeah, right so you know, you're you're rich. You're playing elves against. Uh, <laughs> but oh, it must but, be fantasy. But they yeah, look like on. but they look like trees, um, <laughs> right? And you're playing right. So you're playing a dodge heavy list, yep. okay? Because it's it's goblins or it's stunty, and you're playing against dwarfs. You know what that matchup is likely to be. Mm-hmm. As a team, you get together before, have a quick huddle. You've got these twelve cards that you can use over these three games. One player can use one card per game. Yeah. As a team, you look at them. And you can go, right, I've got dwarves, so I'm just, this is just, don't even bother with me. Or there's a special play card in there that does something special. You can be like, actually, that's going to play out really well in my matchup. Should we use this on my game? And you can use it for that one game. That's the only kind of thing I could think of to bring in some kind of team huddle before an event without changing the matchups. Yeah, I like it. I like the idea of special play cards. Either whether it's the actual Games Workshop special play cards or some kind of tournament-based special play cards. Obviously, I like that more. Yeah, where actually you give everyone this toolkit and it can be yeah. literally like, I don't know, anything we spoke before, like an extra blitz or something like that, mm. where you can actually just give it to one team and be like, right, actually, guys, I've got a great opportunity to smash face and get extra points for our team. Let me have the automatic roller 10 on the kickoff table card. Yeah. Every team gets one. They can use it in one matchup of their choice but it gives you that kind of team tactics. And yeah, you can shoot your best cards earlier on and you can end up with dregs the rest or you can balance it. But actually, 
it gives you decisions to make as a team, mm. which I think is otherwise very lacking in Blood Bowl. It, yeah, very, very lacking. And it can be all kinds of toolkit things. So it can be an extra apothecary, mm. a wizard, you know, nothing that requires models because that's too much yeah. play. Um, but, you know, you can you can look at those matchups and you could maybe take one of those cards into each round. Oh, I like it. And you get you get an opportunity there to discuss tactics with your team and actually you've got a small decision to make that will affect the outcome of those games. And um, yeah, that was the only thing I could think of that would be a way to introduce a minor event that ties in your team to the actual all games at once. Yeah. I think there's there's definitely something, I can't think of anything now, other than maybe... I don't know, because I think it'd have to be tournament-based. I, I thought almost like um, Burn Mayhem. Well, where each of your players... Yeah, where yeah players but not necessarily in. each of them, but almost similarly. Yeah. So it can be an individual like on this team. You know what? Absolutely. This round, I, I can now really get... use that Strength 4 Blitz, that Strength 4 Frenzy guy. Yeah. Give me the Strength 4 Frenzy card because I'm playing against Ogres, mm. and actually I can score loads of cows here, mm. or I'm going to need this. Or it could just be the Tackle card, where for one turn, you get Tackle on all of your players. Yeah. Okay, I'm playing against Zons. I'm humans. I've got a good opportunity here because I've got, you know, four. I've got seven block guys. Play tackle. Take them all out. You know, there's just mm. there's just some things there that we could do, or that actually tournaments could do if you're going to introduce that team element where, you, you know, you get some choices to make. Yeah, I'll definitely be interested to see if anyone's got any ideas on that. Yeah, there's definitely something out there. So let us know if you've tried anything or seen anything, and 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 really think about how you can get some kind of team decision-making process into it. And whether it's good for teams of two or six, it could be really cool. Mm. And that brings us to the star player of the episode, which for today is going to be Zarg Madai. Um, he was the only star player taken at Fobble Wobble Cup, and we've never actually talked about him on the show before. Have we not? I don't think we have. Let's face it, we haven't had a lot of opportunity to talk about Chaos Dwarf star players. No. We love Grashnag. We love Thark. We do. Ah, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. We spoke about Thark, don't we? Because he's awesome. Yeah. Um, so it made sense to give him his moment in the spotlight. And as, you know, Chaos Dwarf rumours mean it might be useful soon. Actually, <laughs> he'll probably be gone soon. He'll probably be gone soon. Um, yeah. Like, so Slibly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't know they got Enki Panky now, but... I'm not a massive fan of Slibly's replacement. But no. the skinks are cool. Dribble and draw. Dribble and draw, yeah, they are so good. Cool. So good. Um, right, so Zarg Madai can only play for Chaos Dwarves. He's 90k, he's 4439. Alright, mm -hmm. so strength 4, so let's bear that in mind. Loner, Hail Mary Pass, Pass, Secret Weapon, Strong Arm, Sure Hands, Tackle, and Thick Skull. Yep. So, because I'm a pessimist, let's go with the bad thing first. Secret Weapon. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say Dwarf. Yep, go on. Oh, I think we just skipped it. <laughs> Chaos Dwarves are good. Chaos Dwarves are fun. They're manageable. Chaos Dwarves are fun. I like them because you've got the big guys, you've got a Minotaur if you want one, and you've got a bunch of rubbish linesmen mm. who yeah. aren't actually that rubbish. They should be goblins. They should be actual goblins with Stunty. That, that would make that cool. team so much more fun. But it's not thematically correct then, would it? Because Hobgoblins are slaves for Chaos Dwarves. Yeah, we'll just say that Hobgoblins are strength too. Uh, yeah, that's fair they're enough. not in any kind of game. I haven't been for dozens of years. No, they haven't. No, so yeah, yeah they could yeah, yeah. they could definitely knock those guys down to actual goblin stats. First of all, it would save them releasing goblin models because they're mm. already goblins. Everybody who's running chaos dwarves these way these days are either using third party teams or they're using goblins as the hobgoblins. Oh yeah, that's what I did with Randall. Exactly. Um, 
just makes sense. So, secret weapon. You get one drive with this guy yeah. only, okay? Cursed Wolves don't get reduced bribes. So you're paying either 90 or 190 to use him twice. Yep. It's not ideal. No, he's a one-drive wonder, isn't he? Yeah. The great thing about him is he's got strength four. Yeah, and edge three. Yeah, which for dwarves is is massive. Gives he's a really he's actually a really good ball handler. Really is. He's got short hands as well. Yep. And if you need to get rid of that ball, he's got hail mary pass and pass. Yeah. And strong, and strong arm. So you don't often throw to dwarves, but actually, you know what? Ball centaurs catch on a four plus. Yep. And he's got pass and strong arm and edge three. So he's long passing on a four plus. Yeah. So with a reroll. With a free reroll. Yeah, with the pass free so reroll. So you've got a good so 75% he, chance of. He picks up the ball on a three plus with a reroll. Yeah. And then he can shovel it off 10 squares on a four plus with a reroll. Yeah. That is a huge play opportunity for Chaos Dwarves. Yeah, it's a killer, isn't it? The sad thing is, he was taken on the Chaos Dwarf team at Fobble Wobble and he really didn't get any use. Um, no, I'm pretty sure he got turn seven deployed uh, oh. first half each time, yeah, or um, casualties. But I think as a bit of a toolbox for 90k to have an extra person who's strength four on the line. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're running them properly and you're running two bull centaurs, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you don't want to blitz with the bull centaurs, which you really should be doing, mm-hmm. you've got a lineup of four, of three strength four guys, yeah. and then six block tackle armor nine. That's killer, isn't it? It absolutely turns them into mincers. He's got this guy's got tackle as well. Mm. So, I think I'm I'm not normally a big fan of secret weapons on goblins, and I'm certainly not normally a fan of secret weapons that aren't murdery. Okay, yeah, chains are great, uh, great um, ball and chains are great. Mm-hmm. This secret weapon is not going to take anybody out, but he actually he's basically a one shot loot grip. Yeah, he is that you can deploy on the line if you need to and I think that's the other thing for me is if you're running a league he gives you that option of someone to put on the line that you don't care if he dies he's also almost manageable to roster well yeah 90k is a bargain yeah Chaos Dwarves are 70k each drop a lineman take him alright you're going to be down a player automatically when that that you run out of your 20k when, when, or whatever when it is the, when, yeah, top when, well when the secret weapon goes you're down a player oh right yeah but he does a lot of stuff he's got short hands edge three short hands useful for tournament builds in that regard mm. but only for one drive but the idea is you Chaos Dwarves don't die very easily no they shouldn't anyway so you and with the cheap 40k um, hobgoblins you should have an opportunity to have a 12 or 13 man team so you should be able to keep him benched so that you deploy him on your drive. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know what? I think this guy's quite cool. I like him. Randall used him before he had to go home ill against Ben. Ah. Oh. Um, but Randall was planning on using him as just a strength four guy. And you know what? 90k for a single drive of strength four uh-huh. is still really good. Stick him on the line and just go to town. Yeah. He's just in there. And once you've got guard and a couple of your Chaos Dwarf linos, which you end up with automatically. Mm. He's 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 great. Yeah, he's massive, isn't he? So let us know your thoughts on Zarg Madai before Games Workshop make him disappear. <laughs> um, That's sad but true. Yeah, it is. And uh, that wraps it up for episode twenty-nine. Rich, it's lovely to have you back on the show. It's nice to be back. And it's um, nice to have a bit of normality again. Yeah, it's cool to talk some nonsense with you because 
we've got a lot of nonsense to talk about. We really do. And next episode will be one of two very interesting topics. One of two. It'll either be ogres or tournament series. Couldn't be any better, could it? We'll have to find out next time. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Once again, everybody, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again soon.